Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. My name is Troy Mix. I'm Associate Director at IPA and your host for this episode. My guest is Cliff Grunstra, who is the Chief Marketing Officer for the Delmarva Central Railroad Company. As a subsidiary of Carload Express Incorporated, Delmarva Central operates nearly 200 miles of rail line in Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, and is managed locally from offices in Harrington, Delaware. Cliff joins me as part of a special Freight Friday edition of First State Insights, brought to you through a partnership of IPA and the Delmarva Freight Working Group, an ongoing transportation planning and economic development partnership coordinated by IPA, the Delaware Department of Transportation, and Delaware's three metropolitan planning organizations, the Dover-Kent County MPO, the Salisbury-Wacomico MPO, and Wilmapco. Cliff and I spoke on June 14, 2021. We covered the role of short-line railroad operations and freight movement, upgrades to rail infrastructure on Delmarva, and opportunities to leverage rail for economic development. Let's get to the conversation. Thanks, Cliff, for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to hit kind of at a core issue first, which uh, could you give us a little bit on what is short-line rail? Yeah, sure. There's really two types of freight railroads in North America. You've got your class one railroads, uh, which are the big railroads that everybody's familiar with. Union Pacific, Norfolk Southern, CSX, Canadian National. You know, there's, I believe, seven class one railroads in North America. Those are your large railroads, thousands and thousands of miles of track. You know, they have billions of revenue every year. But then there are short line railroads and short line railroads. If you want to think of it in terms of like a trucking analogy are kind of like your first mile, last mile truckers, whereas the class ones are kind of your long over the road truckers. There are give or take 500 short line railroads in the United States versus again, you know, seven class one railroads. So that kind of gives you an idea, you know, there's, there's a lot of short line railroads out there. And in terms of overall, trackage and mileage, I think the short line railroads, you know, they're not as large from a, you know, total route mile perspective as the class ones, but, you know, I think they represent a a good portion of all the track miles for freight railroads in the United States. So it's a nice niche industry that allows the railroads to kind of have a more customer focused perspective where a class one is really good at moving, you know, huge, long trains, hundreds of miles really quickly, really efficiently. The short line railroads are good at kind of customizing their service plan in order to make sure that the customers that need those rail cars are able to get them in a manner that's efficient for their operations and for what they need to do with the material that they're you know, either loading or receiving. And so you talked, you know, a little bit about the first last mile angle in terms of comparing it to trucking. Can you give us a sense of what that looks like on Delmarva in terms of like types of customers or types of commodities you're moving? Yeah, uh, we service anybody that wants freight rail on the Delmarva. Really, every single mile of track on the Delmarva Peninsula is a short line railroad. Right now, as of you know, 2021, we have uh, two short line railroads on the Delmarva Peninsula, the Delmarva Central Railroad and the Maryland and Delaware Railroad. Every rail car that the Maryland and Delaware Railroad gets, we bring to them. We move everything, whether it's stone, propane, chicken feed, chemicals, 
you know, I'd like to refer to our home out here as a big flat sandy pancake. So any construction that takes place, you've got to bring that stone in, whether it's via barge, truck or rail. So stone is by far our largest single commodity that we bring onto the peninsula for, uh, you know, road construction, housing, anything that you need to aggregate for. There's really none to speak of out here on the peninsula. And then uh, obviously chickens are important out here. So we move a lot of material related to the chicken industry. You know, sort of your odd and ends as far as different chemicals for different manufacturing processes. And we do quite a bit uh, of propane as well. The way the supply chain kind of developed over the years out here was really centric, uh, propane centric. So you've got Every little house that was built in a community or out in the middle of nowhere or every chicken farm that was built, you know, to grow birds, each of those structures has its own propane tank. And so that propane has to get out here again, you know, either truck or rail. And so rail is a real nice fit to bring it from where it's being produced, um, you know, whether it's in the Utica or Marcellus Basin or even beyond there, uh, you know, and get it, get it off the highways, bring it in on the tracks. and distribute it to the people that need to use it. And in terms of the tracks, I know last summer, I believe there was a federal grant access to kind of improve the track infrastructure. Could you speak a little bit about kind of what the need was there and status of making improvements? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We were incredibly blessed to have been successful in our application to um, be awarded a Chrissy grant. So those are administered by the Federal Railroad Administration, the FRA. And as of right now, that grant uh, has been fully executed. And the railroad, the DCR, has actually completed the first several standalone projects, uh, which were funded through that grant. Essentially, the, the biggest piece that we've done to date was replacing the timber ties on the CND Canal lift bridge. So as you can imagine, that lift bridge is absolutely integral to everything we do out here. Every single rail car that moves on or off of the Delmarva Peninsula goes over that CND Canal lift bridge. It's a uh, about as critical a piece of infrastructure as you can have. And it was built, you know, sort of Cold War era technology. And it, it's it's a pretty amazing piece of engineering, but it's aging and it's showing its age. And so Rather than wait for a crisis to hit, we figured let's try and get out in front of this thing and, and fix it while it's still operational and still doing what it needs to do and uh, modernize it. So a big piece of that Chrissy grant is going to go towards modernizing, upgrading, rehabilitating the CND Canal lift bridge, as well as the two swing bridges that we also operate over, one of them being in Seaford, Delaware, and the other one being down in Pocomoke, Maryland. Those two pieces of infrastructure were uh, actually built in the, uh, the late 19th century, believe it or not. So they're well over 120 years old, and they can present some challenges when it comes to modern day operations. And so upgrading, modernizing those two swing bridges is incredibly important to us and to our customers as well. Beyond that, we're also going to get to upgrade um, and improve many, many miles of just the right of way putting in additional ties, putting in additional stone, just to upgrade and strengthen it to make sure that it's going to be here for generations to come. You talked a little bit about, you know, the era of the infrastructure and 
you know, a lot of the communities in Delaware that rail passes through, that was kind of like a big part, part of their economic legacy. They were, they were rail communities and, and they are still to a certain degree, but could you give us a sense of, you know, how towns now are taking advantage of it or could take advantage of it, that rail asset passing through their community? The rail offers a competitive advantage to any company that is looking to uh, be able to bring in you know, large volumes of material or, or ship outbound large volumes of material, um, as long as it kind of hits three kind of criteria. In order for a rail move to be competitive versus trucking or other modes, it's generally got to be a pretty dense material. You're not going to be moving feathers or styrofoam in a rail car. Generally, you've got to be moving it in great quantity, right? Each rail car holds, you know, upwards over 100 tons of material if you, if you max out its weight. So a hundred tons, that's, you know, four truckloads and just one rail car, essentially. Generally speaking, depending on you know, the circumstances, you want that material to be moving a decent distance. You know, if it's just a 10 or 15 mile move, you know, trucking is probably going to be a good fit because you can keep that truck running back and forth real efficiently. But if you've got to go 500 miles or a thousand miles or 2000 miles, sticking that on the railroad is going to be exponentially more efficient from a number of perspectives, whether it's environmental cost, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that rail, you know, is able to do in an efficient, effective manner when you have those three criteria kind of met by any particular lane of business. So with that kind of as a backdrop, bringing in a new company or a new industry into an area is something that you're going to have a lot more success in doing if you can offer rail service and competitive freight options. That's how today moves. You know, you've got to look at what are your connections to broader North America. And now in these sort of ever expanding globalization of, of you know, the, the commodities that are transported across the world, having every option available is really important to be competitive when you're trying to locate a new business and bring those jobs and the prosperity that a new a new industry or a new company will bring to an area. So like you said, many of the towns that are out here on the Delmarva Peninsula sprung up around the railroad, and we are lucky to still serve the vast majority of those towns that initially were developed uh, based on their rail access. And We've seen a lot of interest, really, in, even in just the last five years that we've been out here operating in those local municipalities, just trying to latch on and figure out how we can work together to bring that prosperity that, uh, that the rail has really offered for the you know, greater part of the last couple, couple centuries. So it's not something that's going to go away. It's something that is incredibly efficient. If you move something in a rail car versus in a truck. You know, you're talking four or five times more environmentally friendly, four times more efficient. You're going to move one ton of freight, which is you know what we call a ton mile, basically. You can move that ton of freight about 500 miles on one gallon of diesel fuel that's burned by a locomotive. So one ton, 500 miles via rail versus a truck. It's somewhere between 100 to 125 you know, miles on that one gallon. So it's pretty amazing the difference between rail and truck when you're talking about the efficiency and uh, sort of, you know, the environmental impact moving freight by rail versus moving freight by truck. So that's something that is very important in today's sort of environment that we're working in as well that we like to highlight. 
in terms of planning for kind of rail adjacent development or just kind of the viability of rail in particular communities, you know, I know it's, it's tough enough just to reserve areas for economic development generally. Yeah. You know, what kind of space criteria, land use compatibility issues, what kind of requirements are there for communities to consider in terms of making sure rail is viable in their community from a land use perspective? Well, there's a lot of competing interests for property, um, especially out here. We live in a place that's beautiful, and luckily, it's a place where people want to live and they want to relocate to. So, it's completely understandable that the land that is out here, which is finite, is you know going to have multiple interests and multiple folks <laughs> trying to to use it for various purposes. With that said, the railroad is where the railroad is, and property adjacent to that railroad is even more finite. And when you have the opportunity to take a parcel of property that could be developed for industrial use, that could be developed to bring in uh, new jobs and new industry to an area, in my opinion, it's incredibly important to try and take that into account when you're looking at the highest purpose for any parcel. Specifically in Kent County, Delaware, we've been really successful working with them and trying to identify larger parcels. You know, I'm talking. At least over five acres probably would be the minimum you'd, you'd be interested in, but you know, up to several hundred acres and saying, look, these parcels, if we can set them aside, they're, they've got great rail access, they're, they're adjacent to the line. You know, if we have the utilities that are needed to bring in a new manufacturer that are readily available, if you've got decent road access to, you know, whether it's one of the main arteries out here on the peninsula or, or even a good access road, just look for some of those criteria. And if, if it checks those boxes, Man, it's going to be, in my opinion, hard to find a higher end use than setting that aside for industrial development, because it truly is the lifeblood of any community is bringing in those jobs to keep it revitalized, to keep that manufacturing base you know, vibrant and, and to help uh, maintain sort of this the standard of living that you know, we've become used to here in the United States, which we're, we're very blessed with. And, and rail is a huge part of the story of the United States. Uh, when you look at it in terms of the economic prosperity, sort of the powerhouse that the United States has turned into o- over the last several hundred years, rail is the backbone of that. I mean, we can our, our freight network is the envy of the world. It really is. And freight railroads are behind the scenes. You know, most people, that's just a passing thought or it's, oh, man, this train's holding me up 10 minutes from getting to where I want to be. But, you know, if you take a deeper dive into that, it, it is one of the main reasons we have been able to be so successful over the long term. And freight rail is an important piece of, you know, what we are as a country and every community, I think, that has grown up with the railroad, you know, to some degree appreciates it. You know, our, our office is in Harrington and they are not bashful at all about, you know, enjoying the fact and celebrating the fact that, you know, Harrington is is uh, sort of a rail centric area and, and they're a great fit and they've been a great you know partner and, and home for, for our headquarters since we've been out here for sure. And you mentioned the rail is where it is, but the infrastructure itself is not, you know, stable. You can kind of add on to it and enhance it. And I know one of the ways you've done that is with these transload facilities. Is that right? Could you talk a little bit about kind of, again, what they are and what kind of value add they bring to Shortline Rail on Delmarva? Absolutely. Uh, Transloads are a huge part of our sales and marketing and sort of growth, you know, objectives that we have in place. It essentially is a 
terminal where you can bring in a rail car and either load or unload it where there's existing mainline rail. From that point on, whether it's inbound trucks that are loading the rail cars or empty trucks arriving to be loaded from the rail cars, it extends the economies of scale that rail transportation offers to folks that may already be established somewhere else that's not adjacent to the rail. So if you're a company that wants to bring in thousands of tons of material every year from far away, and it's a heavy material, but you don't have the ability to have a rail spur built right into your facility, use a transload. You can get it right here out on the shore, bring in that rail car, transload it into trucks, and then you have a true sort of last mile trucking move in a in partnership really with, with the railroad. And it, uh, it can save money, it can save time, it can save headaches. There's all sorts of shortages out there with truck drivers right now. And this, uh, this really can fit nicely into any company's sort of logistic options if, uh, if they have sort of those three criteria again. And then, uh, you know, the DCR actually is a fairly large short line railroad. And so we, we run from about five miles north of the CND Canal all the way down to Hallwood, Virginia. So, you know, well over 100 miles. And if you're interested in doing something locally on the peninsula, we, you know, we're able to even do shuttle moves. So if you've got something down south that wants to move to the north or vice versa, we're able to do that for you. And, you know, I can compete with a truck, you know, any day uh, moving up and down the peninsula as well. So there's a lot of ways that rail can be incorporated into somebody's logistics. If you can kind of think outside the box a little bit, because, you know, there's just a lot of people that don't even think about it. It's not that they don't want rail or they don't like rail. It's just not something they've ever even considered. And in terms of the partners that might come to the table, is that generally the railroad again and, you know, a set of companies, one company, what, what kind of is the scale to make it happen, that transload development? Well, certainly the, the railroad is going to be involved because we're going to be delivering the material. Again, I'm sort of speaking from the perspective of a company that's on the Delmarva that's looking to bring inbound material. It can certainly go the other way too. But if, uh, if that's the case, then yeah, we, we'd work with that particular customer typically and say, where are you located? Where do you want your material to end up? And where can we develop you know, a location that can bring your rail cars in and get it efficiently loaded onto trucks? So you've got a you know, 10 mile truck route instead of a 400 mile truck route. That's the, uh, typically the goal. So usually it's just going to be, you know, the railroad and the customer, but there are certainly situations where we've had multiple customers involved or different entities as well. And, um, you know, like we had sort of brushed on earlier, there are local municipalities, whether it's the county level or the city level that are, interested in looking at the ways rail freight can be extended to incorporate um, and, and sort of broaden the logistics options that are available to any location. And so that's been exciting here recently that that message is getting out there and it's coming across and people are listening to it. And it's uh, I think it's starting to hit home. And as we speak, you know, here, June 2021, we're coming out of a really disrupted year on a lot of fronts. Uh, for a lot of businesses and in, in supply chains, there's been disruptions, you know, in the past and kind of ongoing. Can you speak kind of to challenges Delmarva Central might have faced and what your outlook is in terms of what you're particularly bearish on or bullish on moving forward for the business model? Sure. The 
the railroad here on the shore, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we, we really weren't drastically negatively impacted, I'd say, by, you know, the, the COVID epidemic. The processes that we put in place in order, whether, you know, to, to keep people healthy, with social distancing, you know, obviously lots of sanitation, all the mask stuff, of course, you know, we, we, uh, we were able to kind of to manage through it and volumes in general, when you're talking about just how much freight did we move, came in about 1% above what I had forecast back in November of 2019 for all 2020. So that's pretty lucky. Uh, it's a lot better to be lucky than good sometimes for whatever reason, that one just worked out for us. But the, the, you know, the message is all of our customers, at least to at least to my knowledge, are essential businesses, right? They're not going to be shut down. You need those chicken uh, producers to continue to produce chicken. You need to bring in the propane in order to have people be able to heat their homes. You need to be able to bring in stone for the road work to continue. You know, housing construction, that's been a huge story nationwide, not just here locally, but if you want to get myopic with it and just look at, you know, Delaware and the Eastern Shore, my goodness, I mean, it's just been an explosion of construction out here and and that all needs stone. So from that perspective, you know, we were we were very blessed and kind of insulated, I think, from a lot of the, uh, you know, really devastating impacts that a lot of businesses and industries experienced over the last 18 months or so. And you see that, I mean, with essential businesses as your core customers, you see that kind of continuing in the future, you're still going to have that basic advantage you've talked about in terms of the three criteria when rail moves make sense? Yeah. I mean, as long as our overall North American freight network is able to maintain its fluidity, as long as, you know, regulations are in place to help encourage and promote that, I, I don't see that changing ever. Honestly, it is, again, it's the backbone of our country. If you shut down the freight network, if you shut down the freight railroads, everything in the United States is going to come to a screeching halt. So it's incredibly important to keep that fluid, to keep those uh, those trains moving. And, and that's why you know, we, we do what we do. We, we provide an absolutely essential service to thousands and thousands and thousands of people and their jobs out here on just on the shore. So there's a there's a real there's a real impact if the railroad to stop moving what it would do to the local community and really the entire region. So that's going to be our main focus is keeping everything running and, and doing what we need to do to invest in that infrastructure and again keep it strong and allow future generations to benefit from the economic prosperity provided by rail. Well, I appreciate you taking time today, Cliff, to, to educate us a little bit on Shortline and the investments being made and the service being provided. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Troy. Have a nice day. Visit carloadexpress.com for more details on Carload Express and the Delmarva Central Railroad. To learn more about the Delmarva Freight Working Group, visit wilmapco.org delmarva. And for details on the work of my colleagues and I at IPA, visit ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for tuning in to this special Freight Friday edition of First Aid Insights. Reach out with comments and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. I hope you join us again soon.